I got to make a comment about your worship team. Um, you guys sounded amazing. I just don't know how you guys listen to that violin player every week and not just like cry every time you hear that. Um, literally, I'm like, oh gosh, you know, it's crazy. Hey, uh, I'm so excited to be here. Um, I preached the shortest sermon of my life uh, over at um, Grace because I like literally ran out of time and um, I knew I had to get here. And so that just means that I get to preach a little longer here. Um, a couple of things about me really fast. Uh, my name's Jared. I'm the pastor of Teen Church in Majory, Ohio. We started out just like you guys. So literally this is like taking me back uh, to, to when we first started. And uh, we started out as a small group. Um, and it was interesting, Lindsay, you said um, you got invited to this party today. Um, actually, some of the longest attending members of our church um, thought they were coming to a party, but they were actually coming to a Bible study, and uh, they've been there ever since. So um, this is a, a great place to be, and you guys are uh, on the ground level of what God is, is going to be doing uh, through you guys and, and through Pastor Kyle and Stephanie. Uh, it's an honor to be here, uh, a privilege to come and share with you today. I love Kyle and Steph so, so much. Uh, they are a gift to me, as I'm sure they're a gift to you. Uh, I love doing ministry with my wife, Deanna. She is unable to be here today. We have two children as well. And uh, if you guys could pray for us, we um, actually are in kinship care for a seven-week-old. Um, we got her on uh, Thursday evening, and uh, so we've been kind of adjusting to that as well. So I woke up at 5.45 this morning, uh, fed her, changed her, got her ready to go, and uh, my wife has the three of them. So uh, be praying for us in the midst of, of that journey as well. Uh, I want to pray this morning before I get started. If you're a note taker, uh, if you want to title your message or however you would like to do this, um, I'm going to talk to you on the topic of prayer in spiritual barrenness or spiritual emptiness or spiritual dryness. Okay, you can put all those words if you want. Uh, that would work. So let's pray together uh, and then we'll get into it. God, I just thank you so much for who you are. I thank you, God, for um, uh, what it is that you are doing in our lives and in the life of this church. And God, I ask you that uh, as Kyle and Steph are off resting, God, that you give them your peace, Lord, that you rest with them. Uh, that they know, God, that they uh, have a great work in front of them. And uh, the only way they can continue to push uh, into that, God, is to be completely uh, smitten with you uh, and in love with you, God. I pray that you allow them to draw closer to you in these days as they, as they rest, God. And uh, I pray that you have your way in this time together. And Lord, uh, speak through me. Let me step out of the way and uh, let me share what it is that you have for me. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible, if you want to meet me in Psalm 63, um, I don't know if you will have the translation that I am reading out of. Uh, I'm going to be reading out of the CSB. I don't know if that's the one or not, but I'm going to read it, so if it's different than the screen, uh, forgive me, and it's probably my fault for not specifying that. So let's read this together. Uh, Psalm 63. God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you, I thirst for you, my body faints for you in a land that is dry and desolate and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. 
When I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches because you are my helper. I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I follow close to you. Your right hand holds on to me. And I want to take a quick time out. These next three verses spoke very clearly to me of the confidence that David had in this moment because listen to what he says in verse 9. But those who intend to destroy my life will go into the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the power of the sword. They will become a meal for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by him will boast for the mouth of liars will be shut. And if you write in your Bible what I wrote is God, you will. If you've ever felt like God was nowhere to be found, completely silent, maybe even far off, the reality is, is you're not alone in that. Um, If you were to say that you have never felt that, uh, you may be suppressing something, because the reality is, is at some point in all of our lives, we will begin to feel this place to where there just seems to be a little bit of distance between us and God. And the truth is, is that we are all, we have all been there at some time, and we've all experienced this at some level. The question is, what necessarily do you do uh, when you are in those moments? And how can you begin to recognize and see that you are actually there? Um, I, I was listening to a couple of Pastor Kyle's messages leading up to today and sharing with you, and there was something that he said that I thought was very interesting. And he said that, um, you guys are talking about prayer, and he said that prayer is an opportunity, I'm not going to quote him exactly, but prayer is basically an opportunity to deepen your friendship with God. And I thought that was a very interesting take on it, uh, and one that that I was really encouraged by as I was listening to that. And when he told me that I was going to preach for him today and asked me to do it, um, he basically said, you can preach on prayer or whatever. Um, And I said, okay, that's, you know... That's not really much guidance, but uh, he said, preach on prayer or whatever. So uh, this may not sound like a message on prayer, but it is a message on prayer. So stick with me and hang with me uh, because you'll get a message on prayer and some whatever as well. Um, So I figured I would do both, overachiever here. Um, A little bit of context for you. Psalm 63 is written in a place of both literal and figurative, uh, physical and spiritual dryness. Um, If you are a Bible scholar, you know this well. Uh, If you're like the majority of us, um, I'll give you a little bit of a a rundown of what's going on, give you the Wikipedia version um, of what's happening. Uh, David, in this moment, is actually seeking refuge from Absalom, who was his son. Uh, Absalom killed his half-brother for raping his sister, and people say church is boring, right? Then he fled out of fear for his father. After about five years, three years pretty far off, um, um, Absalom comes back to Jerusalem, but he's not allowed in David's presence. And so uh, we pick up, when reading this story, this sense of bitterness that's coming from Absalom because his father would not bring him into his, his, his home quicker. And so there was like this glimmer of hope that there might have been some reconciliation, but Absalom's bitterness and his pride really got the best of him. And so what Absalom does is he begins, he begins to plot a revolt against his father. 
and he starts grabbing people and pulling people and telling them that he's going to be king, that he's actually king right now, getting people to just really dive into who he is uh, and, and believe in him and to follow him. And we end up in this place to where when David catches wind of this, he flees. And he's in the wilderness of Judah. And this is the scene for our text. And so in this moment, David is fleeing for his life. He's having experienced tremendous grief. The word tremendous doesn't even come close to describing what David had experienced. Tremendous grief from his prior decisions and his actions. His family was falling apart. He was dealing with that brokenness. He was being physically and emotionally drained. And he was in a barren and foreign place without even the basic necessities for life. It would be safe to say that David in this moment, in his condition, was one of barrenness and emptiness. A place of dryness. And it would also be safe to say that his physical thirst would actually reveal his spiritual condition. That he was in uh, on the brink of spiritual collapse. Now, I would say that maybe somebody in this room today is experiencing that. Maybe you have experienced it at some point in your life. But have you ever been at a place to where you would categorize yourself as someone who is on the brink of spiritual collapse? To where there's so many different things coming against you. So many different realities that you have to navigate through. That the only thing that you could really do is just stand there confused at what is actually going on. I believe we've all been there. Maybe you're there today. And I believe that this psalm kind of paints us a picture of what to do in those very moments. It kind of paints for us a picture of what David knew about God going into this while he's in the wilderness. What he knew about God prior to what was happening, he sort of replayed it and began to live into it in this very moment. And if you are in a place to where God doesn't feel close or engaged or even interested and he feels far and distant and disengaged and silent, um, you're not alone. Actually, I think Kyle would probably say, uh, he has different mannerisms than me, but he'd probably say, hey, like, you're in the right place, right? That sounded just like Kyle too, didn't it? Um, because that's, I love how he, he just talks, so I'm kind of more of like a rigid guy. He's more, you know, abstract. But you're in the right place in this moment because the reality of it is, is, is when you are in these moments, the only place that you will find rest, and what we will see here is, is in the presence of God. And that is where we're going to be heading in these next few moments together. So as I was studying this, there was two things that began to pop out to me. Um, I'm, I am kind of a Bible nerd. Um, I take a lot of time on my sermons, like 17 hours, like a lot of time. So I'm not boasting about that um, because sometimes I'm up really late and I uh, can't get things done because I'm so focused on it. But I began to think about this um, in a lot of real ways. Um, when we are faced in moments like this, two things can happen. Well, really one, and then the other one is what we would hope to do. The first one is, is we begin to dread. Have you ever felt that? Um, that you're in this place to where you're kind of in a frenzy. Uh, there's like turmoil all around you. You're super and like overly emotional. You're, you're panicking. You're, you're fearful. And you begin to aimlessly hunt. 
right? If you were to read Ecclesiastes, um, Solomon would say it like this. It's like, you're, it's like you're chasing after the wind. Like you're, like you're chasing something that you're not ever going to catch up to. But you're in such turmoil, you're in such um, panic, you're, you're in such a frenzy that you just literally are grabbing for anything that you can to just give you some sort of rest uh, for just even a moment. Um, that tends to happen a lot. Especially when we feel like we're far from God. Is it my fault? Did I do something? Is God mad at me? Is God angry with me? All these different things come to mind, and so we begin to dread. The thing that I would hope that we would do, that oftentimes probably doesn't happen, is that we, in these moments, begin to look at where we are and look at our disposition. Our disposition uh, is the natural tendency that we fall into, into moments of upheaval and unrest. Um, it's the calm and the familiar and the known. Uh, a good example of, of a um, disposition would be um, parents tend to have this like instinct that when their children are like falling or are about to fall or about to get hurt, we like turn into superhumans and we just grab them really fast and we save their lives. Um, my son Levi was a daredevil and so he would always go on the very top of the of the little slide that we had, and he'd throw his hands out in the air, and he'd say, Dad, I'm going to jump. You know, and I'm like, no, you're not. You're going to slide. And uh, so I would always grab him and put him down. One day, he threw his hands too hard, started to fall back. Literally, I was probably like as far away from Vanessa, and I ran up and grabbed him, saved his life, and I said, I remind him every single day, I saved your life. So you need to like get a good job, a good, you know, save up money, and then give it to me. You know, we'll, we'll make that happen. Um, but that's what I would look at a disposition as. It's this natural place that you exist in, um, that in the midst of whatever comes your way, you're able to withstand it because your disposition is one that is appropriate. And so reading through this text, I believe that David shows us uh, the antidote to our tendency to dread or to panic or to somehow think that the world is over in these moments. And it, it's a model of what the appropriate disposition would be. If David in this moment would have operated out of his dread, he could have somehow felt like God was numb to his desperation. Because if you think about it, in this moment, that's what he is. He's desperate. He's running for his life. There's not the basic needs for life around him. He's struggling. It's a difficult circumstance, a difficult situation to be in. And if you do not have this correct disposition in what we're using in our conversation today, uh, you can end up in places that you'd much rather not go. And so I have three different things for you this morning. I promise they won't take too long. And I got, I'll have them up on the screen for you. Um, the first one is this. Um, it's developing a deep yearning to take God in. Um, it's very interesting because this psalm is full of affirmation of who God is. But it also has a counterpart in that it has desperation for the presence of God in his midst. In this dry, desolate barren, empty place, both literally and figuratively, David longed for God and was desperate for his presence. Here's some of the words that he uses. He sh shares phrases like, I earnestly seek you. 
that I, I go after you, that all I want in this moment, the only thing I'm thinking of, the only focus I have is you, and I, I want to go after you. He says, my soul thirsts for you. He, he knows that the only thing that's going to satisfy is God's presence. And so like someone in the desert who is, is dying for just a sip of water, he's running after God in this moment, knowing that the only place of rest is in God's presence. And he also uses the word, my flesh faints for you. That my body is crying out for you. That you are all that I know I need in this moment. And you see a, a disposition that is aligned appropriately is intensely focused on developing a yearning for God and has an appetite for more and more of Him. Earlier we prayed, God, let us have more of You or let us know You more, let us know You deeper. That is what is happening in this moment. Is There is this yearning to take God in. And here's the thing about this yearning. It's not satisfied with just enough or a little of. It's that your, 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 your body craves it. That your body needs it desperately. And it develops a deep sense of need and urgency for the presence of God in a dry and weary land that we would probably call, maybe possibly call our lives. The second thing is to getting to where you know God is. David uses this language. He says, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. Now, this is much more than just a simple remembrance of the services that he attended in the tabernacle. This was a remembrance of where God promised to meet his people in a very special way. And it was the place to where God promised to make his presence known, and it was also a place of peace and calm and safety. You could almost sense that David is yearning to be in this place to where he knew that God's presence was. And so his, his body and, and his, his, his um, mannerisms and his, 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 his whole entire being is going after finding this place to where God is. And he says, I look to you in the sanctuary. A little deeper understanding of the sanctuary was that it was where preaching and teaching and the sacraments were observed and we'll be sharing in communion here in just a few moments and this is the place to where you know God is and where you can meet God in this moment that's why you should never go into communion haphazardly it's why Paul would tell us to examine ourselves to take a second to focus and to think before we come and partake because if you don't come to this table with the right heart you're not going to get the fullness of what this is and it's this deep understanding of the sanctuary being the place to where God is. It was the place to where God would take ordinary observances and turn them into moments of great revelation. Would take things that they would always do, maybe even ritualistically, and really show up big time and begin to show himself more to them. But this was also, and probably more importantly, the place to where they recognize their need for God even more. And it's actually a good example to use because when you come to this table, although it is open for all people, 
this is the place that not only do you recognize who God is and you feel his presence, but it's the place to where you recognize your deep, deep need for him more and more and more. And so as we're looking at this, David uses this language to show us that we have to get to the place to where God is. The last one is that we're called to embrace vulnerability. David was incredibly lonely in the, in the wilderness on top of feeling completely barren and dry in this moment, but he took time to be vulnerable enough to get to a place to where God wasn't and to get to where God was. In the psalm, he says, when I remember you upon my bed and I meditate on you in the watches of the night. I can't think of a more vulnerable time than in the evening and nighttime. I can't think of a more vulnerable place than when you're sleeping. And if you think about it in this moment, and when we look at night in our lives, it's a time of reflection and vulnerability. It's a time to where the cameras are turned off, the facade can fall off, the show could stop, and the real you can become present. It would be, and I've heard many people say this before, that the real you happens when you're all alone. And, and, and I don't, you know, maybe you disagree with that, maybe you agree with that, but I, I would probably say that the real you might show up when you're all by yourself. And David is using this idea of night time, this idea of vulnerability to really reveal to us, and, and this may be different language for you, but we almost have this burden that we hold on to to embrace vulnerability, to open ourselves up, to come to, to God in, in the most rawest of forms and to give ourselves over to Him. Because if we don't ever get to the place to knowing who we are, we will never be able to become who it is that God is calling us to become. And we become who God has called us to become. That's a different way of saying you grow in the faith, you become a disciple by vulnerability and surrender. And it's not about you anymore. It's not about what you would want to see happen or what you think should happen. It's all about where God would lead you. And that comes from a deep place of vulnerability. So we develop a deep yearning to take God in. We get to where we know that God is wherever that is uh, in your life and where it could be a prayer closet, it could be in nature, it could be here on Sunday mornings, it could be at the communion table. Wherever it is, you get to where you know God is and you embrace vulnerability. Having the appropriate disposition informs our search in the midst of trial, and in the midst of pain. Because it, it's the natural place that we live. It, it's a natural reaction. It's, a, it's an instinct that when it all hits the fan, right, that our disposition is one of trust and belief and faith rather than panic and dread and all the horror of it. And, and even though all is breaking loose around us, we keep on. We push forward. In a complete moment of vulnerability with you, this past year for my wife and I has been probably the hardest that we have ever experienced in our life. 
probably the hardest. And without indulging you with details and things that you did not come here to hear about, my disposition in a lot of times was really pushed. Because I came from a place of dread a lot of times. And worry and panic and fear. Our church was growing faster than we could keep up with. We had some loss in our family. I lost both grandparents. We experienced some loss of our own. We had three miscarriages within a matter of six months. And then it just kind of just keeps coming, you know, this you know, it's just a different reality to think about. It's a different world that you, you live in when it's almost a constant thing. And I remember, I looked at my wife one day and I said, I'm just done. Just done. Done. It's too much. And I remember that started my search. Not that I even really needed to search far. I just needed to get back to where I knew that God was. I had to develop a thirst and a hunger for more of God. And I just needed to be vulnerable. I didn't have to have all the answers. I didn't have to have, you know, all of the, the, you know, everything that people needed. I didn't have to have any of that. All I needed was God's presence in that moment. And it really has freed me up, honestly, to begin to live into my giftings and, and to begin to live the life that God has called me to live into. But when you have the appropriate disposition, it informs your search and it has you avoid operating in the opposite of what it should be. And instead of panicking, you persist. And instead of living in a frenzy, we are faithful. Instead of aimlessly searching, we are purposely pursuing. And instead of embracing the elements of what is happening around us, we are constantly building up and investing into our disposition. So I have a challenge and a question, and then we will take communion together this morning. And the question is, is are you allowing the elements of this barren place? Are you allowing the elements of this dry place to push you to dread? Or are you introducing them to your constant and consistent and unmovable faith in God, which I would categorize as the appropriate disposition. Where are you this morning?